praise to God for uh, for Brother Stefan and Sister Kate, who did an awesome job delivering the word in the last two weeks. Amen. I was I was highly highly blessed um, by by the word, and I will say I went back in and listened um, in the past couple of days a second time, and I was even even more blessed. Um, Dr. Wheelock, uh, Sister Kate, thank you so much for uh, your openness to this this new model uh, and being willing to to press in in prayer and deliver the word. Amen. So. Just a quick theological recap, if we please. We just finished the series, Belongs to God. Um, so theologically speaking, the Belongs to God series was about how God is the ground of our being and how he sees us at the depths of our own being. And that God accepts us at the depths means that we don't need to be estranged and means we don't need to be constrained by the world's conception of us, nor do we need to be constrained by the generational walls of hostility, because God has freed us from those absurd constraints. Uh, if you're not internally living into that freedom, belonging to God means that you can. Uh, and then we explored how do we live in that freedom in a world that is still bound in personal and systematic walls of division, hostility, and oppression. And I'm so thankful that in different ways, in different voices, uh, Dr. Wheelock and Sister Martin and I were able to uh, be used by God um, to share the Belongs to God series. Moving forward, we're looking at the series Transformational. Uh, I am incredibly excited about this series. Uh, I believe it is indeed uh, something specific that God gave me as a series to share. Uh, this series is about what transformation might look like in our world. We look at biblical models for transformation, transformation of nations, of cities, of people, of peoples, uh, and explore what these biblical models might mean for us today. This sermon series is entitled Transformational. And today's title is Wow God. Wow God. Uh, in our scriptures, we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 6, verses 12 through verse 20. Joshua chapter 6, verses 12 through verse 20. Um, as has become our custom, thank you, Dr. Wheelock, uh, we will stand uh, as we read this word together. I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version. Joshua chapter 6, verses 12 through 20 reads as follows. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord passed on, blowing the trumpets continually. The armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. On the second day, they marched around the city once and then returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at dawn and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. 
it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers we sent. As for you, keep away from the things devoted to destruction, so as not to covet and take any of the devoted things, and make the camp of Israel an object for destruction, bringing trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, they raised a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, move me out of the way. And speak directly to your people, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you allow us to speak to each other so that your word would reverberate and resonate as you speak to your church, to Victory Church in this hour and this particular week, but how we might move in this place for your glory. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I had the opportunity about a decade ago to go to Quebec City. I, I lived in Connecticut at the time, and so uh, my wife and I drove up to Quebec. Uh, if you haven't been to Quebec, you should go. It is a beautiful city near the Gulf of the St. Lawrence. Uh, many people compare it to a, a beautiful European city in the midst of North America. And the cool thing about Quebec City is that it still has its original walls. It's a city more than 400 years old. Uh, it was the site of a great battle that shaped the future of North America. In fact, we are all sitting here today partially because of how that battle went. And it was a city that was protected by these walls. And so within the walls, the city would be protected by danger. In Quebec, uh, and indeed in cities throughout all, uh, most of history, they would put walls around the city to protect the city. And so you can imagine these thick stone walls that protected from armies invading, from cannons firing, from muskets firing. Even today, in many places, it is the wall around a city that protects it. In fact, when in 586, when Jerusalem fell, it took, scholars say, about two years for the Babylonians to get through the wall of Jerusalem in order to conquer it. And you can imagine that if you are inside the walls, then you are in a strong place. You are in a stronghold, if you please. And often uh, Christian folk talk about strongholds, either good or bad. Talk about strongholds as places of strength or places that need to be overcome in order to press forward. Uh, I remember for a few days I had the chance to look. I took a walking tour. I ran on top of the walls. I kept going back and looking at the amazing walls in Quebec City, and I began to imagine 
What are the walls keeping in in our lives? And what are the walls protecting us from in our lives? What do our strongholds look like? For the people of Israel in the text we read, they were coming up to a walled city called Jericho. Now, just a quick, quick, quick delve into the history. The people of Israel were formed under Jacob, who called them together and said, instead of being named usurper, you're going to be called a people who wrestle with God. And from that point, they wrestled with God all the way into Egypt, where they were cast into slavery. And indeed, they were rescued by God through Moses out of slavery and into the promised land. Except that as they were in the wilderness crossing into the promised land, they looked ahead at the promised land and saw the people in that land and indeed saw the city of Jericho and said, we don't think we can do it. We want to stay where they are. And so God gave that generation the desires of their heart. Uh, we often look at it differently, but in quickly, I will point out that that is indeed exactly what God did. The people said, we don't want to go and conquer this land. We don't think we can do it. A couple of them said, we can do it because God said we can do it. Uh, the majority spoke. Uh, and so God had them move around the wilderness until the next generation could go and conquer the land. And so then this next generation, the Joshua generation, the generation that came after Moses crossed over the Jordan. They took 12 stones and made a pillar to remind themselves of where God had brought them from. And then they proceeded to the land. And there was Jericho, a great city, a walled city, a walled city in an age uh, with limited military, uh, limited artillery, uh, and therefore a place that was incredibly difficult to conquer i just told you uh, in the greatness of the ba of the babylonian empire years later it took literally two years to conquer the walled city of jerusalem two years of siege and now here the children of israel just forming are coming up to jericho now they could take two years, they could take two decades to try and conquer the city. And yes, that is possible. But sometimes in our life, we don't have two years or two decades. Sometimes we need a transformation. Sometimes we need transformational change in our lives. Sometimes we recognize, as, as my grandmother might say, that in our work, and, and we need something to change. They're looking for trans. Indeed, we read this morning that the transformation happened and that the walls of Jericho fell and that the children of God took the city and went forward in the promise that God had called them to. So how did this transformational change happen? How did the walls of Jericho fall? There's three things I want to highlight in how the walls of Jericho fell and how transformational change happened. Uh, I've dubbed this wow, uh, Isaiah, wow, Jericho, or wow, God. The first thing that happened is that the people worshipped their God. They worshipped. <laughs> now, what Joshua said is that he brought people together 
under God's commandment, and he had them walk around the walls of Jericho playing uh, the trumpets and making a shout. Uh, that does sound like worship for some, right? And in essence, God called Joshua to get the people to worship. Now, I know what you might be saying. You might be saying, come on, Troy. I read that, and that kind of looks like they were preparing for battle. And I know that even armies today, at least ceremonially, will play instruments as they go into battle. And, and yes, you could look at the text that way, but I want you for a moment to look at how this is indeed worship. And that they weren't called to start hacking at the wall, and they weren't called to climb up the wall, but instead they were called to circle the stronghold, or circle the city, and to surround that city with worship. And I also want to let you know that in a very real sense, worship and the organized movement of a people look very similar. Uh, and that when you come together in worship, however you worship, there is a, a certain direction and organization, if you please, that allows you to move in the ways that are necessary to overcome and to battle. In that age, and indeed even today, the most important thing about how groups of people who are fighting, i.e. armies, the most important thing about how they work is that they need to be organized and moving in one accord. Uh, in fact, I don't have time to get into the history of it, but the Battle of Quebec or the Battle of the Plains of Abraham was lost by the French simply because of this reason. It's why North America is in French, in fact. Uh, and, and I want you to know and understand that how we move in worship when we choose together to worship our God aligns us so that we can do the great things that God has called us to do. Our worship might look different. Uh, some of you might worship from the depths of your soul. Uh, some of you might make uh, a, a joyful noise like me. And yes, it's a noise, but it's joyful. Some of you might be able to sing out loud. Some of you may raise your hands. It doesn't really matter how you worship. We come from different traditions, but that we worship is so incredibly important for transformation. It's what made the difference at the city of Jericho. The, the second thing I want to highlight is the fact that the children of Israel, this fledgling group who was trying to come together and see what God had in store as God called them to the promised land, that this group of Israel were living in obedience. They obeyed what God told them. What do you mean they obeyed? I mean that God gave his word to Joshua and Joshua spoke to the people. And the people did what Joshua said. They obeyed God. They obeyed God when God said, walk around the city once every day for seven days, then walk around seven times and shout. That's what he said. <laughs> now, uh, if you're thinking about it, you might realize that doesn't make much sense. How are we going to conquer this city by walking around and shouting? And so if we zoomed in real tight uh, and looked at the individuals in the community, 
I suspect, I can't say for certain, it's not what the word says, but I suspect that there were people in that group who were grumbling, who were saying, come on, you want me to get up and walk around the city? You want me to walk around the walls when the people of Jericho could throw hot oil on us as we're walking? I'm not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't fit with my sensibilities for how we might get over to the other side of Jericho. In, in fact, I might say that uh, I want to give up. This doesn't make sense. And God, perhaps you should have left us back in Egypt instead of bringing us here and leaving us in this place where we have to do something like walk around the city. I suspect that if we zoomed in, there would be a lot of grumbling. There would be a lot of folks who were dragging their feet, who weren't really moving along. In fact, I want to highlight, if you, if you know the, the, the ex story of the Exodus, right? the children of Israel on the other side of the promised land had a similar conversation. And in that conversation, the grumblers won out. And that generation walked in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, this Joshua generation comes up, and I wanted to, to let you know that there indeed was folks who were grumbling in the midst of this move of God. But the outcome was different because the scriptures show us from a higher level that in general, the children were obedient, even though the prescription didn't make sense. What does it look like for us to be obedient to what God is calling us to, even when with our natural eyes, it doesn't make sense? And what does it mean within a community for us to lift our voices so that when those who can't see the need to simply trust God start to grumble, we can say with a loud voice, I know it doesn't make sense, but let's trust what God is doing in our lives and in our midst. All I'm trying to say is that our individual obedience to the word and the work of God matters in creating a transformation because it matters in how our community moves forward. Ultimately, it was dangerous, it was improbable. How could shouting fell the walls of a city and yet the children of Israel chose to be obedient? A, a quick praise break, if you please. We are honored and privileged to know our Savior Jesus Christ. And salvation happens simply because God did the work through his Son and we are saved when we accept what God has done for us. That he loved us, that he knew us completely, and yet loved us even when we were unlovable. And the only thing that he requires from us is a yes. Yes, I believe that you are God, and I repent of not seeing that and knowing that before, and I accept the sacrifice that you have made. And indeed, everything in our world tries to tell us that the healing we need for our souls comes 
from anything other than that truth, than the idea of recognizing God's sacrifice and being obedient to the fact that he calls us to say yes. Often the world teaches us to turn to our own flesh instead of to trust in God. But uh, in this model of transformation, we see how important trusting in God is for ourselves and for our community. And the third thing I want to highlight uh, is the work. Wow. Worship, obedience, and work, or you could say walk. Uh, the, the children of Israel literally used their hands and feet to do the work. They worshiped, they were obedient, and then they got out there and they walked around that city. Uh, they walked around that city, they worshiped, they had trumpets blaring. In fact, it sounds like they had an old worship party outside of that, ch uh, outside of that church, not that church, outside of that Jericho for six days and then on the seventh day they did it seven times and they used their hands and feet wherever they found them they, they played the trumpet or the guitar if you please they they, they, they set up the, the the sound and the instruments they set up the the tents they did outreach they did a little bit of work even when it didn't seem like the work would make the difference they weren't setting up explosives they weren't driving in battering rams. They were doing the work that God called them to at that moment. And God took that work. God took their walk. God took their swagger, if you please. And God made it glorious and made it lead to a transformation. And the people of God got to participate in their own transformation. They got to see the walls of Jericho fell in seven days, not seven years, seven days. They saw transformation in their midst because they did. Wow, what a model for how God might allow us to participate in transformation. And the children of Israel went in to the city. And now we need a little bit of a pause. The model in Joshua for this entering of the city meant that everything in the city was to be devoted to God for destruction. Now to be very clear and explicit, that model in Joshua is not the model for us. Not that everything in the city would be destroyed, but that everything in the city would be devoted to God. Or, or in other words, everything in the city might be reconciled, might be transformed by the truth of the gospel. That the, the walls of hostility, that when the walls fall down, our, our, our job is to rush into the city and show the city what it means to be reconciled to God and each other. When the strongholds fall, our job is to say you can be reconciled because we serve a God that has showed us the ministry of reconciliation. If we turn for a moment... Uh, and think about the people inside of the city of Jericho. If we think about those 
who saw the, the, the worshipers slash the armies of the living God coming and pressing towards their city. If we saw them as they shut up the doors of the city and prepared for a long siege, you might imagine the fear and trepidation that might have filled those people inside the city of Jericho. You might understand and realize that they didn't necessarily know how to serve their God. They didn't know how the systems and structures in their world led towards separation from God or led towards sin. They didn't understand. They didn't know. They didn't have a gospel. They didn't, they didn't have a preacher that was saying to them, look what the Lord can do. The scariest thing about isms, I'll use racism as an example, is that good people cannot recognize it within themselves. And the gospel is meant to shine a light of truth into our hearts. The gospel is meant to break down the walls of hostility and then to devote the things within those walls to God. That our lives, that, that, that our separation from God can be transformed, that we can be transformed and renewed and reconciled into what God has for us. And we do that through reconciliation. What does it mean to have a wow moment? What does it mean to see transformation? What does it mean to tear down the walls of hostility in a place and to overcome it? What does it mean to trust God for transformational change? What does it mean to have victory of it, please? What does it mean to practice the ministry of reconciliation? What does it mean to conquer our own personal and collective Jericho so that we can walk into the promised land? What does it look like to see a city with walls that look like they are impenetrable and yet to trust in God's potential transformation and to walk exactly where we are and have God use it. What would that look like in your city? What would that look like in Charlottesville? The truth of the matter is that God has already done it. We didn't read it, but I'll read it now. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2 uh, says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. God has already done the work he is waiting for his people to wow and therefore to participate in the transformation. And I know, I know, I know, I might be, I might be crazy up here. 
How can setting up a tent help with this transformation? How can our worship from the depths of our soul help with this transformation? How can being obedient to the word of God help with the transformation? The truth is that I don't know. I'm a logical person. I can't give you the logic to X, Y, and Z. I'll be honest with you. But I do see in the word that we read today, the fact that God can do and that God knows the way and that when we gather and we worship and when we gather and we are obedient to the word of God, even when there's grumbling in our midst and when we gather and we walk and we do the work, God can and God will make a difference in our city for his glory. And yes, this city, this place, this people may be devoted to God, not in destruction, but yes, in reconciliation. I am crazy enough to believe and I might get attacked by the enemy later on for saying it, but I am crazy enough to believe that God has great things for Victory Church in this season. I am crazy enough to believe that God is working in each of us right now. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We get to participate in the transformation of our lives and the lives of the city that God has called us to thank you lord god is great and greatly to be praised when we think about the improbable and the impossible and the transformation thereof we can think of how to get started and so i end today with a riddle how did Peter walk on the water? In the Gospels, Peter gets out of the boat and walks towards Jesus on the water. How did Peter walk on the water? He took the first step. He took the first step. And when he took that first step, God met him in that step, and he took another one. Victory Church, in this season, I believe that God is allowing us, even right now, to take the first step. And so I'm excited and encouraged and invite you to continue, as God is calling you and calling me, to take the first step, and then the second and the third Worship, obey, and work, and see God's transformation in our midst. To God be the glory for the great things he's doing. And now, the gospel indeed has been preached. And so I would be remiss if I didn't give folks who have not accepted that Jesus Christ came and died for us to be spiritually alive, to have an opportunity to do so. So as is our current custom... With every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask that you'd examine yourself. And if you hear the tug of God on your heart, I want you to consider saying yes to God. I know I'm saying it, but I'm just a vessel. It's God that's speaking to you. And if you desire to say, yes, Lord, I see that you've accepted me and I accept you, go ahead and slip your hand into the air. 
God is continuing to call his people. And I'm so thankful for what he's doing. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, family. To God be the glory for the great things that he is doing. Amen. And praise God.